Well, hello, everyone. Welcome to the On Mission podcast by Grace Church, where we discuss global missions and how to live on mission ourselves, living out and proclaiming the good news of the life and forgiveness that's found in Jesus Christ. I'm David Lawson, and today we'll be talking about a ministry called Vision Trust, an organization who is providing support and hope for vulnerable children in extreme poverty. And today I have with me a good friend of mine and colleague, Tom Peters. Tom is the Director of Spiritual Care for Vision Trust. Welcome, Tom. Thank you. Good to be with you. And Tom, even though you are wildly famous and known by just about everyone, believe it or not, there might be some people who are listening and who might not know you or might not know your family. We're going to be hearing more about you later on in your ministry. Why don't you tell us a little bit about your family? Yeah, thanks, Will. I've been married to Sue for 41 years now, and God blessed us with two boys. Mike is married, and he and Casey have three of our grandkids mm-hmm. with a fourth on the way. Fourth which, on the way. Yeah, we're pretty happy about that. They live up near uh, Congress. And then our youngest, uh, JP, is in the U.S. Air Force, mm-hmm. uh, based in Oklahoma City. Yeah, we're grateful for his service, for yeah. sure. And uh, Sue must have the patience of Job. Especially after 41 years, <laughs> yes. Yeah. Yeah. Right. Well, we appreciate you guys very much. Of course, uh, our relationship goes back pretty far. Mm-hmm. And um, But let's talk a little bit about you some and mm-hmm. uh, Vision Trust. It's not your first rodeo. You've been around missions actually yeah. your entire life, and right. uh, you've really benefited our church a lot yeah. because not only of your missionary service overseas, but even with your time here on staff helping us with our global missions efforts. So tell us a little bit about uh, your missionary experience and uh, what the Lord's been um, doing uh, through your ministry over the years. Well, I was born into a family that had missions on their mind. Mm-hmm. Um, shortly after I was born, my my Uncle George Johnson and, and Aunt Evie went to Brazil as missionaries, and Mom and Dad had talked about going into missions. And Finally, about uh, well, it was 1968, we went to Africa. His dad was the printer for our Grace Brethren mission out there, and Mom taught in the women's division of the Bible Institute. So I grew up there, went to high school over in what is now called the Democratic Republic of the Congo. So when I finished uh, high school, came back to the States, went to college for a couple years, and then really felt like I wanted to see missions more from an adult perspective, so I went on a one-year short-term mission team back to the Central African Republic. And that's actually where I met Sue. Mm -hmm. She was on the same team. She was teaching the missionary kids for that year, and I was doing mechanical work and youth work. We came back, and in 1982, we got married, and I uh, finished up college at Grace College and then went into seminary uh, out there, and that's where Mike and JP were born. Mm. But then we really wanted to get back to Africa, so we left in 1987 after I finished seminary and went out again thinking to do mechanical work and youth work, but the Lord, with the goal of eventually going into church development. But the Lord moved moved us into church development, actually, our third year there, and we Mm. began teaching at Bosangwa, the Bible Institute there. And we were there until, uh, let me see, 1995, and came back to the States, and then I came on staff here at Grace Church from 
95 to the beginning of 08 uh, with the missions, uh, cross-cultural ministries here at Grace. But again, I felt the call to really get back into hands-on missions. So yeah. I I went to worked for uh, ICDI Water for Good for mm-hmm. about five years. Mm-hmm. And part of what I did with ICDI was uh, the orphan care ministry in Bangui. And at that time, we were partnered with an organization called Vision Trust to do the uh, administrative part of the sponsorship program. Mm -hmm. And so then in 2012, when ICDI changed their name to Water for Good and really concentrated on the water uh, issues of the CAR, they asked uh, Vision Trust if they could take over the orphan care program. Mm-hmm. We At that time, we had about 500 kids, 500 orphans in mm-hmm. the program. Mm-hmm. And so they did, but they wanted me to come work for Vision Trust. So I've been working now with Vision Trust for about 10 years mm-hmm. um, and uh, had been just working in the CAR, Central African Republic, but then moved on took on some other responsibilities with other African countries and then became Africa Regional Director and then finally my current position. Well, certainly appreciate your ministry over the years and your faithfulness to uh, ministry as a missionary through mm. Grace Church yeah. because uh, you've allowed us to have reach in other parts of the world, particularly the Central African Republic. Right. And uh, just really grateful for that. And now just really grateful for your ministry with Vision Trust. And so... Maybe we should kind of get to the topic at hand, and that is the ministry of mm-hmm. Vision Trust. I did a, a quick, a little bit of research on children in poverty, and I discovered that according to Save the Children, there are like 1.2 billion children, B, yeah. that's a billion with a B, uh, yeah. in the world who are living in poverty. That's 15% of our current global Population. Right. I mean, that's that's an astounding number. And then UNICEF says there's some one billion children who are in what they call multidimensional poverty, where they don't have access to basic necessities right. like nutrition and mm-hmm. water and so forth. Like you were talking about before, the Ministry of Water for Good. That's why they do what they do. Those are just astounding yeah. numbers. They seem insurmountable, and it seems like how in the world are we going to get our arms around that? So right. talk to us a little bit. There are a lot of organizations, of course, that are involved with this effort, which we're all mm-hmm. grateful for. But tell us a little bit about how Vision Trust fits into yeah. uh, that desperate situation around the world. Well, we are a ministry, Vision Trust is, of uh, reaching orphans and vulnerable children mm-hmm. around the world, uh, working to improve their lives through education opportunities, through health care, through nutritional support, and, of course, spiritual development and God has allowed us at this point to have around 3,300 um, orphans and vulnerable kids in our programs across the world. And um, included in that healthcare element is things like access to clean water mm-hmm. or mm-hmm. latrines or uh, food security issues as well, mm-hmm. because there's a lot of countries where famine has is really still prevalent. Mm in east southeast africa for example so so that's one of the things that we try to do with some of the people that come alongside us volunteers from the u.s trying to help in areas of water and food security but on the spiritual side we really base what we're trying to do 
um, off of Second Corinthians chapter five verse fifteen. It says, "And he died for all, that those who live should no longer live for themselves, but for him who died for them and was raised again." Mm-hmm. We really want the kids that, that grow up in our programs. Mm-hmm to live for God mm. and to love others mm. and not to live for themselves. This really became clear to us about eight years ago. One of our vice presidents of Vision Trust went to one of our programs and was asking the graduating seniors what they wanted to do. And most all of them wanted to work for the government. Mm. And it really struck him that if we are really to develop these kids into fully devoted followers of Christ like we try to do here at Grace, then they need to no longer live for themselves. Mm-hmm. And yet that's what all of these did. So we really started to make this emphasis on Second Corinthians 5.15, mm-hmm. that they should live for him who died and was raised again. So the spiritual development aspect is really important to what we do. Yeah, I want to get into the nuts and bolts of that um, as much as we can mm-hmm. uh, in the short time that we have a little bit later on. But let's talk a little bit. This is a global problem. Right. So let's talk a little bit about uh, where Vision Trust is now. Yeah. We're familiar with Africa because that's that's right. where you've been. Right. But uh, tell us a little bit more about where Vision Trust yeah. is in their ministry. Well, we're in 11 countries currently, two in Asia, that would be Myanmar or Burma, and India. And then in Africa, we're in Zimbabwe, Malawi, Tanzania, Central African Republic, and Liberia. And then in Latin America, we work in Brazil, Peru, Guatemala, and the Dominican Republic. Mm. So those are the countries that we're yeah. currently working in. There's some pretty tough places there. Oh, yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, kids yeah. are in, I mean, kids are already in these vulnerable situations, right. but when you're in a vulnerable situation in a difficult country, which right. is part of the reason they're there. But, I mean, right. it's a whole different thing, for sure. Yeah, because yeah. it's not only that, that, for example, in Zimbabwe and Tanzania especially, we're facing food security issues with famine and drought. Hmm. But you put on top of that, especially in Zimbabwe, where the government is just nuts, yeah. and there's no economy. Hmm. And everything is so expensive. It's just really hard to be able to work in places like that. But praise God that we've got donors and sponsors that will come alongside and help us. Yeah, in some of those places it probably feels like we're hoping against hope, right? Right, right, yeah. So let's talk a little bit about Vision Trust's approach. Mm-hmm. I'm really intrigued by what I've read about it and mm-hmm. by what I've heard from you about it. So uh, tell us a little bit about um, what Vision Trust's approach is to helping these kids who are in these uh, vulnerable yeah. positions. Yeah, so our goal is really to reach those and help develop the vulnerable children in uh, tough situations like we've talked about. But we want to do it through empowering local Christian mm. workers. And so then we can, through them, meet the health, education, n- nutritional, and spiritual development needs of the kids. Mm. So I'm, I'm just really thrilled that we have such awesome overseas staff. We don't have any American missionaries with Vision Trust that mm. are full-time overseas. Mm. We'll come in and do uh, training, troubleshooting of programs, things like that. But really, it's about empowering those local leaders Mm -hmm. to be able to meet the needs of these kids. 
And so that's what we do. We partner with local leaders, mm. people that have proven themselves already to be involved in children's ministry and have a heart for the kids. Yeah. And then we'll come alongside not only to meet through sponsorship to do their education, their health and nutrition and spiritual development, but then we do special projects like mm. if you need to put in a water well or mm. – we need to furnish mosquito nets because there's yeah. places that are just really devastated by malaria or yeah. things like that. Yeah. So, Well, it's obvious that the empowering local leaders is a key part yes. of what you guys are doing. I like mm -hmm. that part of it. But it's still a pretty tall order. I mean, mm -hmm. you're talking about physical health, spiritual health, education. Yeah. I yeah. mean, that takes some – that takes some pretty solid yeah. people to kind of yeah. to pull that off. So, can you go a little bit further to, and tell us, uh, give us a little bit more insight about how that works? Well, it's it's uh, allowing them. We don't try to cover all the costs mm -hmm. of of raising these kids, but we want to come alongside and help. So, like um, we have a lot of what we have in most of the countries are what we call learning centers, which is like more an after school program. Mm -hmm. So we'll help pay for the education for them to go either to a private school. Most of the time it's local uh, public schools. But then after school they come to our learning center, and that's where they get the discipleship. That's where they get the food uh, to feed them. And that's where the individual attention from these local leaders happens with the kids. Mm -hmm. And it's really reaped great, great results. Um, for example... In the Central African Republic, there's a, a young man named Shalom Banga. Mm -hmm. He was sponsored through Vision Trust by one of our ABFs here at Grace since he was about eight years old. Well, about uh, probably 2018, he graduated from high school, and, uh, and he was always a part of one of our orphan care groups um, there in the CAR and he was leading some of those. He was developing as a leader. It was really neat. Mm. And seeing some of our volunteer teachers as well as our staff have input into his life. Well, he took his um, high school graduate exam and was able to pass it. And immediately he wanted to go into ministry. So immediately he enrolled in our Grace Brethren uh, Seminary mm. in Bangui. And he went through seminary, and now he's graduated. He and his wife graduated from the seminary, and he's now teaching Bible in several um, Christian wow. private schools in Bangui. Mm. So, you know, God working through our local leaders in Shalom's life really brought him to a place where he wanted to serve the Lord and that he was able to. Mm -hmm. He was equipped with what he had learned through his discipleship and times with our group. There's another example would be a young lady, Sumaya, in India. She came into the program when she was about six years old uh, there in India, and she had always shown a lot of enthusiasm and really wanted to um, grow academically especially, but spiritually as well. When she graduated from high school a year or so ago, she was in the 93rd percentile for all of India, which is wow. pretty incredible. Yeah. And so her goal was to go into university 
Um, and there they do an interview and to, as an entrance exam into university. And two days before her her interview, her dad passed away. Mm. But she went back to her her teachers at her learning center, and they prayed with her. She got comfort and strength from the Lord, and she was able to pass the entrance wow. interview. Wow. And today she's in one of the universities in Chennai, the city of Chennai in India, uh, pursuing a degree in visual communication. And the, our leader there, our country director, his name is Merwin, he said about her, he says, but the most beautiful thing about Sumia is that she recognizes her calling to be testimonial and a source of comfort and joy to other suffering children. She talks about dedicating her time and resources for the benefit of those who have still not tasted the hope and strength that only the gospel can provide. Wow. So you get examples of Sumia and Shalom, and it just really hmm. enthuses me to continue with what we're doing. Yeah. It motivates me yeah. to continue to seek to help all of these kids. And not all of them are success stories like that, of course, but but to be able to plant seeds of the gospel in their lives and see God work is pretty awesome. Well, you see that Second Corinthians five fifteen verse yeah. coming to life. Right. You know, and right. sure it's not perfect and not every not every child um, ends up with that kind of motivation and posture yeah. with their life, but it's really rewarding. Mm-hmm. To see that happen, yeah. and it has to be rewarding for those leaders who are on the right. on the field doing it. You know that Second right. Corinthians one kind of ministry where mm-hmm. they are able to bring comfort to others right. with the comfort they've right. received from the Lord. Yeah. When you have somebody who's been through the circumstances that you've been in, and they're right. trying to help you, it makes all the difference in the yep. world for sure. sure and that's probably one of the distinctions, isn't it, of how Vision Trust goes about its ministry compared yeah. to. Other orphan care ministries, of course, we're yeah. not throwing stones at anything that right. anybody else does, right. but you have the institutional side, uh, the residential care kind right. of ministry, and you have some of the church-based ministry. Yeah. Um, go a little bit further into what distinct... I know that that national leader is really important key, for yeah. it, very key for it, but can you go a little bit further into yeah. uh, what distinguishes Vision Trust and their approach? Well, a lot of the sponsorship uh, organizations are very similar. I would say one of the differences is with Vision Trust is that not everywhere where we go is there a local church. Our mm. preference is to work through a local church on the ground there, mm. right? Right. So that when there is discipleship going on, they're plugged into a local church. But that's not the case in some countries like Myanmar. Parts of Myanmar, there is no church presence. Parts of India, where we work, there are no Christians, but there right. are there are people that have been touched by the gospel who will have a heart for kids. Mm. And so, you know, we will work in those places as long as we find dedicated believers that really want to reach out to the kids. So that's a little bit different than some of the organizations that really only do it through local churches. But again, I'll say that our preference is to have local churches involved, but when there isn't, then we will still get involved. And you touched on one other maybe difference, uh, especially in Africa. We don't have any orphanages in Africa. We work with orphans, but we are not. We don't have orphanages. We're using the African traditional model of foster care, 
And most of the time, those foster parents or relatives mm -hmm. that have taken in the orphans of a brother or sister that has passed away. But it's just getting overwhelming. When you, most African families are big anyway, right. you know, eight, nine, ten kids. And then you add three, four, five, six orphans. Yeah, from a brother from or a sister. From a brother or sister yeah. that passed away. It's just overwhelming. So right. that's where we come alongside. Mm -hmm. And we maintain the African cultural model of the foster care, but we come alongside to help so that it's not so overwhelming for the foster parents. And so that's why we have orphan care groups or we have the learning centers where then they will come and get extra help and not and the, with the education helping to pay some of the school fees. That, that really, I think, is has been awesome to see how the kids are still integrated into their extended family, and but yet they are getting the spiritual and nutritional and educational support that they need. Yeah, I like that vision trust. Yeah, I like that relational. It's it's really kind of hyper relational in right. many ways, and a lot of trust is built up there with those children and yeah. with the people, family members, or a a national leader. And I think yeah. just that's just really healthy and. Yeah. Um, I'm really glad that Vision Trust is able to come alongside and help. And then the connection with the local church too yeah. is is important yeah. wherever wherever it's possible right. because that it helps address that spiritual health side that you guys yeah. are interested in. Yeah. Well, we're talking with Tom Peters, who is director of spiritual care for Vision Trust. Let's let's talk a little bit more about your role. Let's make a little yeah. bit of a shift now mm -hmm. about what your role is with Vision Trust as the director of spiritual care. Um, mm -hmm. uh, what is it that you do? What what yeah. is your day to day? I guess the best way to describe it would be like a chaplain. Director of spiritual care is like a chaplain mm -hmm. for our our staff, both U.S. staff and then uh, the country directors, and by extension, further staff on the field. So I do things like um, I have with our U.S. staff uh, devotional time and prayer time every Tuesday, Thursday, mm -hmm. uh, every week. On Fridays, I send out an email with a devotional and prayer request from each country, and I send that to some of our U.S. staff, and mainly that is focused on our overseas country directors, mm -hmm. so to those 11 countries. Um, then once a month, I have a phone call with each of our U.S. staff and each of the country directors just to pray with them, uh, talk through uh, spiritual issues with them, if they have questions about anything that I've sent out on the weekly thing, then we, we talk about that, but a lot about their family, how they're mm. doing. Mm. And if there's counseling that needs to happen, mm. I'm not a licensed counselor, but if there's things I can help with yeah. by turning to the scriptures mm. and sharing sharing that with them, then that's what I'm going to do. Yeah. And so that's, that's a lot of what I do. Yeah. We also have a spreadsheet that has all of the prayer requests from the different countries mm. that I maintain. Mm. And we send out emails uh, from Vision Trust headquarters in Colorado Springs uh, several times a month to donors and sponsors about those prayer requests, things like that. Uh, yeah. I'm sure that care is really valuable for people yeah. and uh, something they really profit from. Knowing somebody's yeah. praying for them yeah. and really cares for them, kind of mm -hmm. a sounding board for some of the issues. That, and somebody who understands uh, what it means to be on the field, right, yeah. and international. Yeah. Um, what are some of the What are some of the issues that you feel like you've had to deal with in that regard? Yeah, a lot of it is you know. Um, 
I'm glad that I don't have the administrative yeah. load that I used to have as African regional director. But a lot of my time is just spent with what their prayer needs are. Mm. Um, some of the countries right now, one of the major issues in their minds is that there are elections this year. I think mm. that we have four countries that have elections coming up, and that's weighing on the minds of our staff overseas quite a bit because that could alter their their ministry, right? And depending on who comes into power, yeah. So a lot of it's talking through that and learning to trust the Lord Amen. and that He is sovereign. Amen. That even in this area, um, He can deal with that. Hmm. There's. We've had some of our staff that have had family members pass away and just dealing with some of that stuff. Some of the things I learned back in 2020 when both my mom and my dad passed away, you know, and the scripture that came to comfort me, then I, like you were quoting from Second Corinthians, mm-hmm. you know, what what you have received comfort from, you can then pass that comfort yeah. on to others. So yeah. a lot of that sort of stuff yeah. are the issues I'm seen fairly frequently. Yeah. Well, thanks for being there for me. Yeah. It's valuable. You mentioned 2020. You can't hardly mention 2020 without <laughs> mentioning COVID. Um, what effects uh, have you seen with the staff and their ministry as yeah. a result of COVID? Well, every country reacted differently to COVID. Mm-hmm. There are some countries that did not open schools back up until earlier this year. Just this 2023. year? 2023, yeah. Really? So you got kids that were out of school for two, three oh years. My. You know, they're wow. having all sorts of trouble uh, getting back into uh, positive study habits. Um, yeah, they've forgotten a lot of what they learned beforehand. Sure. Yeah. So a lot of it is that is the educational mm. aspect, the social aspect of having the masks all the time, and and overseas they mm. were very strict on it. Mm-hmm. Uh, that also has caused kids to be maybe a little more introverted and closed. Mm-hmm. So some of our staff has mentioned that, that they're not opening up and sharing. Mm-hmm. So there have been some effects. Yeah. You know? And who knows, you know, especially with the education, if they lost two to three years of education, what the long-term effects of that are. But, yeah. And especially depending on what how old they were. You know, when they hit the pause, right. a three-year pause, right. <laughs> almost four, really, right. if you count 20, I mean, a four-year pause in their education yeah. in some of the most formative years that they right. have, um, yeah. yeah, socially and just cognitively, you know, yeah. uh, it's a yeah. you know, big effect. Yeah. Yeah, and I'm sure it affects people who are yeah. trying to help these kids, too, yeah. because it's like, Nothing we've ever dealt with before. How, yeah. do, how do we help a kid who's been in this situation? And we have a lot to thank the Lord for. Mm. I mean, you know, when COVID first started and they were giving these, all these dire predictions of, well, it's going to just devastate health care systems. You know, if that if the predictions would have come true in Africa, it would have decimated that continent. Mm. The whole continent doesn't yeah. have good health care. Right. You know, I heard about... One of our countries was saying they have a population of 60,000, and there's only 40, um, what's that, breathing machine, oh, ventilators, ventilators. Mm-hmm. available across the whole country. Only wow. 40. Wow. Well, I looked at Tanzania, <laughs> where we work. It's 160 million people, 
and they had one. Wow. And it broke down after three months. Oh, my goodness. So, you yeah. know, it's just, it, we're just thankful that it wasn't yeah. worse. Yeah. 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 Well, um, I know your heart for missions. It's, it's obvious. You've, you've given your life to it. Mm-hmm. Um, but one of the things I learned from you is the importance of the supporting church to engage right. with our missionary staff. And yeah. you, you actually impress upon us that these missionaries aren't tangential. They're a part of our staff. When, yeah. we, when we bring them on, we support them. And you encourage us to support missionaries pretty heavily, you know, right. pretty significantly, right. So because where our treasure is, there our heart is also. Yeah. But uh, to have that kind of investment and to help with our engagement yeah. beyond the finances with right. our missionary staff. So tell us a little bit more about yeah. how you're thinking about that. And mm-hmm. maybe that will help those of us who uh, are in local churches um, be a little bit more effective in our partnership yeah. with our missionaries. Well, when Sue and I first went back as missionaries with our boys in the late 80s, um, we had quite a few churches come on board to help us mm-hmm. financially, and it was awesome. But it became clear after a couple of years that there was a difference between what I call supporting churches and partnering churches. Mm-hmm. A supporting church, they're satisfied to just tick a box, you know, mm-hmm. check a box that oh they sent in their check, yeah. and that that's about it. We never while we were on the field, we never heard from them. When we came back to the states and visited those churches, many times they didn't know what to do with us other mm-hmm. than just introduce us on Sunday morning. And that was it. Mm-hmm. No small groups, no engagement with people. Whereas we had other churches that we heard from them constantly when we were on the field. And that was a huge encouragement. Mm -hmm. When we came back to the States, they knew what to do with us. They had us involved in small groups. Mm -hmm. They had us before the congregation. They, you know, asked us about what we were doing. Mm -hmm. And so there's a huge difference. Uh, You know, it's sort of like what I saw from Paul writing to the Romans in Romans 15.30, he says, he asked the church in Rome to join me in my struggle by praying to mm-hmm. God for me. Mm-hmm. That's a partnering church. Yeah. Amen. Yeah. And then he talked about the Philippian church in Philippians 1. I always pray with joy because mm-hmm. of your partnership in the gospel from the first day until now. Mm-hmm. And that's the kind of church I wanted Worcester Grace to be. Yeah. And that's the kind of church that really is effective in being a partner, yeah. engaged with what people are doing when they're on the field, not just checking a box and sending yeah. them a check. So, you know, that's what we're trying to do is mm-hmm. stimulate, you know, that kind of partnership with with our missionary staff overseas yeah. and any of the ministries that we're partnered with overseas. Yeah. You mentioned prayers being a, a key part mm-hmm. of that partnership. Um, unfortunately, uh, I think sometimes we tend to underestimate right. the power of prayer. Mm-hmm. Um, and sometimes we might not really know, we might be intimidated to know how to go right. about it. We don't yeah. know how to pray for our missionaries. Um, so, can you give us a little bit of advice about how to get beyond God bless our right. missionaries around yeah. the world? Um, how, how would you how would you coach us to engage a little bit further with that? I think everybody that Worcester Grace is is uh, partnered with um, is pretty good at communicating, and so I would make sure that you're signed up for their emails. Mm. 
And then when they ask for specific prayer, um, pray for that specifically. You know, it doesn't matter if you can't pronounce the names mm. of people that they're asking you to pray for. God understands. Yeah. He knows those yeah. people better than we do. Yeah. But just pray specifically. Otherwise, it's like a shotgun shooting up in the air. God bless the missionaries yeah. and hope that something happens. Yeah. But when... When there's a target, a spiritual target for the, that missionary sees, and he knows he can't take out that target without the the spiritual backing and the prayer, then pray specifically for that so that God, with our prayers and with their work on the ground, we can take out that, that target, whatever it is, a spiritual enemy or just an obstacle. Yeah. And I think, to, you know, like we, at Grace, we have 24 partnerships. Yeah. Of some part, yeah. Um, it that can be overwhelming. Yeah, uh, I, I I shouldn't feel like I have to pray for twenty four different missionary families or projects or whatever it might be every day. Right. Uh, maybe if I had um, a a plan where mm-hmm. I I pray for one or two a week and I right. pray throughout the year, or right. maybe my heart gravitates to a particular people group, yeah. or I might have a special relationship with a mm-hmm. missionary family or something. I shouldn't mm-hmm. feel guilty right. about not covering everybody all right. the time, uh, but to make sure that I'm being faithful with yeah. what the Lord has put in front of me. So yeah. I think what I'm hearing you say is that even if you're part of a group where that group might receive a a newsletter or something. Get on the get on the list yourself right. because you receive it to your inbox. Yeah. You can read it yourself. It could be yeah. part of the time with your family or with your spouse or whatever yeah. it might be. Yeah. Good. Yep. Uh, and so, if people want updates from you uh, mm-hmm. about Vision Trust, how how would they go about that? Well, you can email me at Tom Peters or Tom P at visiontrust.org or go on to our website um, www.visiontrust.org and sign up. There's a way to sign up there on the website. And then you you can get some prayer requests from them. Okay. Get so on I, that list to get the prayer updates. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So that's Tom P. is in Peters at visiontrust.org and then visiontrust.org to yeah. pick up uh, yeah. ways to be praying. Yeah. Well, thanks for that, Tom. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, we're really big on next steps here at Grace because we yeah. believe that as long as we're taking a next step, we're making spiritual progress. Right. And Jesus is the one who said, uh, the, the the wise man is the one who hears his words mm. and puts them into practice. And so mm. we believe that every time we're exposed to the truth about something, yeah. there's something we should do with it. And that thing that we do with it is what helps us make uh, progress in our lives. So based upon either what we've heard today, maybe something the Lord is teaching you, whatever it might be, what, what are some, invite us into some next steps that you feel like that we can be taking. Yeah, there's there's a, a passage of scripture in in Second uh, Peter chapter one that back in the early two thousands here at Grace when I was teaching the International Fellowship Hour, we were going through a series of lessons based on these verses, and it says Second uh, Peter one five three eight says, "For this very reason, make every effort to add to your faith goodness." and to goodness knowledge, and to knowledge self-control, and to self-control perseverance, and to perseverance godliness, and to godliness brotherly kindness, and to brotherly kindness love. For if you possess these qualities in increasing measure, they will keep you from being ineffective and unproductive in your knowledge of our Lord Jesus Christ. Now, I think we all want to be effective and productive. Amen. 
And the way it says to do that is that, yeah, it starts with faith, faith in what Jesus Christ has done through his death on the cross and granting us salvation. But Peter writes, add to your faith these godly characteristics like goodness, perseverance, self-control. That means, and these are very similar to the fruit of the Spirit that Paul writes about in, mm-hmm. in uh, Ephesians 5. But, um, in Galatians 5, sorry. Mm-hmm. But, you know, when it says add to your faith, that means I should be able to look back mm-hmm. on my life and two years ago and recognize that if it is in the key phrase there, in increasing measure, if I can see in my life more self-control now than I did two years ago, three mm-hmm. years ago, mm-hmm. then I am becoming more and more effective and productive in mm-hmm. my knowledge of the Lord Jesus Christ or the brotherly kindness. Mm-hmm. You know, if I can look back and say, well, by God's grace, I have grown in brotherly kindness over the last few years. Am I perfect? No. Mm-hmm. But if it's an increasing measure, then mm-hmm. it says that assures us that we are not being effect, ineffective or unproductive in our knowledge of the Lord Jesus Christ. Right. So my, my um, you know, next step here is to really concentrate on what are the godly characteristics that I need to improve in. Mm. What do I need to see in an increasing measure in my mm-hmm. life mm-hmm. from these godly characteristics or from Galatians 5? Yeah. And really, I start working on applying those yeah. because it is, you know, sanctification is a process. Mm-hmm. It's not a one-time shot where you get immunization <laughs> and yeah. you're good. Yeah. No, uh, and there are challenges all the time. The evil one, we know his schemes. He tries to discourage us, but if we can see a trend, an increasing measure, yeah. uh, that's really, really important. So, yeah, and I think that. You know, one of the one of the purposes of, of our time here is to live out and proclaim the good news of Jesus Christ. Yeah. And so, when we're making progress right. in our faith, and people are looking on, right. they're saying, "Wow, he's really made progress there." Whatever he has, I want. You yeah. know, what, what's going on in your life where you are growing this way? And right. it certainly is a public witness to people yeah. who are around us where we're demonstrating the impact of the gospel yeah. in our lives. Yeah. yeah, that's good. And, you know, sometimes we're, getting, we're timid, we're, we're afraid to share the Word of God. Hmm. But another lesson I learned while I was here is um, from Matthew chapter 13, the parable of the sower. Hmm. We, we know that some of that seed fell on rocky soil, some of it fell on the hardened soil that Satan snatched it up, the birds snatched it up right away. The the rocky soil, no root. Mm-hmm. The the thorny soil, it choked it out. Mm-hmm. But a lot of it fell on good soil. Mm-hmm. And uh, the lesson I learned from that parable is that, yeah, we need to aim for the good soil, but we're not in charge of where the seed lands, really. Right, right. That's God's job. Mm-hmm. He's the one that prepares hearts. Mm-hmm. It's the Holy Spirit that convicts of sin and righteousness and judgment, not us. Mm-hmm. But the the job of the farmer, of the sower, was to sow the seed, period. Right. Now, later, yeah, he came back, he watered it. If there wasn't rain, he right. tilled the soil. Right. But really, the the where the seed lands is not his responsibility. He mm-hmm. just needs to sow the seed. Yeah. 
So I learned that I need to take every opportunity and make it a sowing opportunity. Oh, amen. And you know, allow God to do take the seed and work it. Mm. And I can't germinate that seed. God has to. Yeah. You know, Paul in in First uh, Corinthians three talks about you know, as Paul he planted Apollos watered, but God gave the increase. Yeah. Amen. So it's it's all in His hands anyway. But we are to be planting the seed. So yeah. be diligent in that. Make every opportunity a sowing opportunity. So that was a great lesson that I learned yeah. while I was here on staff at Grace. Yeah. Um, I've often said about Matthew 13, you want to be a seed sower, not a soil tester. Right. Um, mm-hmm. That's just yeah. just scatter the seed in how right. I live and how I talk. Right. Um Oftentimes, I'll, we will have a conversation that's always full of grace and seasoned with salt. Mm-hmm. We need to have conversations with people that are different from what they have with everybody else. Right. Certainly, um, we need to engage with things that are relevant for our culture and so forth. But at the same time, we need to be leaving them with something that's different from everybody right. else. Right. Well, thanks, Tom, for that. Appreciate you. Appreciate your ministry. Thank you so much. Mm-hmm. Thanks for serving in our behalf, being a part of our missionary mm-hmm. staff around the world, really helping mm-hmm. uh, children who are in these desperate situations uh, become physically healthy mm-hmm. and spiritually healthy mm-hmm. and educated mm-hmm. uh, around the world where they would not otherwise have that opportunity. Yep. So thanks so much. Appreciate that. Quite welcome. Praise the Lord. Yep. And thanks to all of you who are list- who have been listening. Uh, we're glad that you could join us for this On Mission podcast. If you don't have a church home, you're certainly welcome to join us. Just go to graceforohio.org where you'll find our meeting times and our streaming times. And we trust that today's conversation has been an encouragement to you as you live on mission, living out and proclaiming the good news of the life and forgiveness that's found in a relationship with Jesus Christ.